Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is The Americans. Today we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 9, titled Safe House. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is a big one. (laughs) This is a pretty big one. Okay, so this episode begins with the biggest bombshell in the form of Philip and Elizabeth officially separating and sitting down with Paige and Henry and telling them, hey, uh, Dad's going to be living somewhere else for a while, uh, officially breaking the news to them that Mom and Dad are separating. Mom and Dad aren't going to be living together anymore. And, oh my god, to watch these two try to explain to their kids why they are separating, why they are no longer living together, And to watch Paige and Henry just not understand it and react in very different but equally adverse manners. Uh, Paige getting extremely combative. Henry uh, basically retreating emotionally into his little mental hole. And both of them just completely devastated by this event. Like... And the parents, like, just trying to console them, trying to get them to understand, but not being able to. Like, it's the most heartbreaking thing in the world to witness, quite frankly. Mainly because, like, well, also, like, the characters are extremely compelling. But mainly because this scene is so extremely grounded in reality. Like, this hits close to home for a lot of the population. Like, this conversation happens pretty much every day between parents who are falling out of love and need time apart. Or are flat out getting divorced. To their children who don't understand, uh, who don't get the complexities of a marriage, and who desperately want this delightful pairing of mother and father to remain intact. Because, like, for children who grow up in a two-parent household, so 90% of children (laughs) at some point in their lives, uh, for children who grow up in a two-parent household... That's their normal. Like, that's the definition of normalcy for them. Like, they don't know anything else, but mommy and daddy are living together now. So, when that is ruptured, 
uh, when that dynamic collapses, like, that's the definition of nightmare scenario for a child. And I can definitely understand the emotions being felt around that table because I kind of had to sit through one of these conversations. Granted, it was under much, much, much different circumstances because my father was abusive as all hell and Philip's actually a nice guy. Uh, but I had to sit down and have this conversation with my mother about why mommy and daddy are not living together anymore. Uh, when I was like, I had to be like 13 or 14. And at, even at that age, like I was just too young, naive, and in all honesty, developmentally challenged enough. I, I was too young, naive, and developmentally challenged to understand that we were not safe at all, and we had to get out, and, and mom and dad had to split up uh, for the good of everyone involved. Like, I I had all the information in front of me. Like, I knew daddy got real angry at times. It was very scary when daddy got angry, uh, and it, it, it got kind of stressful when we were living with him. But still, like, even then, even with that, what I now realize is abusive behavior, like, I, I still, <laughs> I still had that reaction of like, but why? A at least internally, I forget what my reaction was externally. But like, part of me was still like, but why? Because I had never known anything else but a two-parent household. And even then, even with all the information I had, like, it was still a, a tremendous shock. It was this weird form of Stockholm Syndrome, of childhood Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, but all this, this massive, massive tangent, is to say that, like, I, I can definitely relate to this scene at a certain level albeit different circumstances, as I said, like, it does hit close to home, and, like, that combined with the compelling nature of these characters, it's just so heartbreaking to watch. Uh, especially the questions these kids ask. Uh, Paige specifically has an awesome moment where she says, well, if you're fighting, then stop fighting. When me and Henry fight, you tell us to stop. Why can't you guys just stop? And Philip and Elizabeth don't have an answer other than, like, it's more complicated than that. Because, like, husband and wife are not the same as brother and sister. Also, they're spies and their marriage isn't real, but... What ifs? <laughs> not important. <laughs> Uh, but it's so heartbreaking to witness, like, this divide that we see being created between the parents and the kids because of this separation. And that's all, by the way, before the opening title sequence. That's before the... 
nah, nah, nah. What we've discussed for the last seven minutes is just the opening minutes of this episode. Uh, and of course, we see the effects of the separation sort of balloon out over the course of this entire episode. Uh, Henry not doing schoolwork. Uh, Paige being pissed off, just generally speaking. Like, it just sort of keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling uh, to two kids who are in very, very bad places. And that's before we get to frickin' Amador. Hey, uh, remember when Amador was was stalking Martha in the last episode? Well, that now extends to Clark... And Amador is using the privileges of his FBI badge to basically harass Martha's current boyfriend. Because that's not creepy behavior at all. And so, (laughs) Clark and Amador end up having this fight in the parking lot. Which results in Amador getting stabbed. Amador got stabbed. Which honestly, like, this dude is a creep. I've made it very clear on this show that he is not a good guy. But I can't help. But feel something when this dude gets stabbed. And I think a lot of that has to do with the camaraderie shared between him and Stan. But the entire episode after this is essentially uh, Philip and Elizabeth patching him up so they can then interrogate him. And we get this big scare regarding uh, Arcady. The acting resident. Getting snatched by the FBI. More on that later. And as he's like slowly bleeding out. Slowly bleeding out. Slowly bleeding out. Philip and Elizabeth are getting more and more desperate for information. Getting less and less kind to get that information. And we end up getting a very uncinematic moment. A refreshingly uncinematic moment, quite frankly, where we don't actually see Amador die, and Amador's death is not really handled with much fanfare, but he is dead. And it's not this like, oh, oh, I can see the light, I can see the light, I'm going towards it, F you, Russia, Eh." like it's not that. It's literally just, Amador's there, they walk away, then they go back to him, and he's not alive anymore. It's just this amazing, out of left field, unexpected hit. An unexpected gut punch that is so... Perfectly handled. 
And then uh, they dump the body, and uh, we'll get to Stan's reaction in a bit. <laughs> we'll get to Stan's reaction to that in a bit. Uh, but suffice it to say, it's it's not great. <laughs> it's not great from his end, uh, but it, it's really, really heartbreaking to watch. Like, And this is the power of the Americans. Here is an incredibly unlikable asshole who is just a creep and kind of a misogynist to a certain extent and just a real bad dude. And yet I actually felt something when he died. Like, that's how good The Americans is. That's how amazing this show is. At getting you to care about literally every single person involved. Uh, But Stan, on the FBI end, uh, he spends a lot of this episode sort of being like, Where's Amador? Where's Amador? We gotta get Amador! Ah!" Uh, To the point where he even agrees to get involved in an extrajudicial operation... Of snatching up Arcady, which fails miserably. Which fails miserably uh, by pure bad luck. Arcady does not show up. Because, you know, he, he burned his hand on a potato? A potato! Kept him alive. A potato saved Arcadia's life. A potato. Uh, a potato. I mean, hey, he's alive, so why not? But they end up settling for his aid... And they just sort of grab him and cart him off to this safe house. Hey, I worked the title in. And see, this episode's great, not just because of the separation stuff, not just because of Amador's death, but also because you do see Stan, who up to this point has been a fairly reserved character. Very slowly, and yet somehow all at once at the same time, become incredibly unhinged. Like, we've already seen him get, like, real angry by this point in the episode. Real stressed out, because there's so much on the line here. Like, there's Amador's life. Uh, by extension, Nina's life, because he knows her identity. Like, there's so much at stake here. And you kind of see just how unhinged Stan has become. Uh, when he sits down this aide and goes on his soft mouth monologue. And oh my god. Oh, I get chills. I get all the chills. When I hear this monologue. Because it is so perfect. How he starts in a place of like. Hey you ever go hunting? 
See, if you're hunting birds, like you shoot them, and then usually you have a dog with you who, uh, who bites down on it in its soft mouth. Uh, soft mouth is, is an important part because, like, you don't want to bite through the bird. Uh, and it brings it back to its master. But sometimes the bird's alive and it gets away. Like, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. So, maybe you'll, uh, may, maybe you'll get free while, uh, while you're in my soft mouth and before I, uh, drop you at my master's feet. Uh, but if anything happens to Amador, biting down hard, you will not be laid down on my master's feet. Like, and, and I'm butchering that monologue, I swear to God, but like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And, and then after Amador's death, when Stan is just crushed, and by the way, I really like these flashbacks where Stan and Amador are just being buddies. Like, they're just having a good time. And then Smash cut to Stan just being real sad that Amador's dead. But... This ending... Oh, this ending! The fast food scene. Nothing beats American fast food. I mean, there's probably a bunch of nasty shit in it that'll kill you, but sure tastes good. The aide uh, takes a big old bite out of the burger. Hey, do you want a drink? Uh, yeah. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, I think we have some cola. Bang! Dead! Like, just... Again... So uncinematic, so freaking abrupt. Like, he just goes to get, like, a drink for this dude, then turns around and shoots him in the head. And one of the most gnarliest images, not based on gore, but, like, really based on just the suddenness of it all. One of the most startling images I've ever seen in any death ever is that dude getting shot in the back of the head and just the half-eaten burger bite just falling out of his mouth. Like, I don't know why, but, like, that image has just stuck with me for so many years. Like, I can't get that out of my mind. Like, it's just... It's so disturbing. It's so freaking disturbing. Oh my god. This is a huge episode. Like, if I haven't made that clear enough by now, let me just make it clear. There's a lot that goes down here. <laughs> There's a lot that goes down in this episode. It is huge. Like, we get uh, one of the most heartbreaking subplots ever. Uh, we get a major character... One listed in the opening credits of the show, getting killed off. Uh, we get a previously moral compass 
a previously morally in the right character sully himself by just going off the deep end, compromising certain orders, and then shooting some defenseless guy in the head. All because Amador died. Like, like this is our this is the biggest episode yet. This is the best episode yet. I love this thing. Like, it's a huge. It's a huge turning point for several reasons. Oh, boy. Uh, Only four episodes left in this season. And then we're done with our inaugural Americans chapter. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there, or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 10. Talk to you then.